0: What I value about any process, but it tends to kind of need a little bit of time and some stages to, I guess, lead to this, is that real sense that you have a great fit. You feel like you've really got to know the candidate and the candidate's really got to know you. And at the end of all of it, you're really both excited.
1: Man, I love speaking to Helen. She just cares about people so much. And I feel really lucky to have her on the podcast today. Helen's a great friend of mine. Um, She's also an incredibly accomplished uh, young managing director of the highly scientific company EnviroDNA. And after the podcast with Jonathan Ling earlier, who's obviously a really accomplished and experienced CEO and managing director, I thought speaking to somebody who is in their first role as a managing director and the challenges that they go through um, would provide a lot of great insights And, and Helen definitely delivered on that. So thank you, Helen, and uh, enjoy the podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. That's just, we this exciting.
0: We are live coming we to you. Are,
1: I know. Um, and look, thank you, thank you so much for joining, um, H um, or Helen. Uh, I mean, not <laughs> not ever the listeners can refer to you as H throughout, um, <laughs> but if they were looking you up, they would find you as Helen. Um, Thank you for joining us today. I, I know that as the managing director of a business, large or small or medium, it's a pretty hectic life. Um, but but thank you for taking the time to chat with me.
0: Oh, I am excited, John. I love talking all things people. So very much looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and look, um you're a people person. Um even just talking about people, if you met Helen um audience, you would love her. Um she's <laughs> she's an amazing, amazing lady. Um I'd be, I'd be really interested, uh, just to start, I'd be interested to talk about um, how people have hired somebody like you before, uh, because I sort of know a little bit about your journey, but I, I wasn't sure how you were hired into the current role as Managing Director of EnviroDNA. DNA.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, it was now about seven years ago, which is uh, crazy to think that, um, and I... Th- I um, had already worked with my business partners, my now business partners before, so I was working with an innovation consultancy at the time and had um, maintained connection with my previous bosses um, from this, this previous organisation that I worked with, uh, and they started to reach out to me a little bit more than our normal, just general catch-ups and keeping in touch. Um, and started to sow the seeds for this new company that they were wanting to establish as a bit of a spin-off from their existing business. Uh, And they were, yeah, I guess checking in with me, seeing what I was up to and um, finding out whether whether I would be interested in joining them um, and coming on board to really help lead the business. Um, They're scientists and the EnviroDNA is a science-based uh, organization and, and and tech focused in in what we deliver. So they really bring the technical side of things, and I bring more the people team and other aspects. Um, to to I guess our leadership. So yeah, it came through them. I'm reaching out. We started having discussions. Um, I was like, oh wow, this you know this role actually would tick a lot of boxes for me. It aligns with. My passion for innovation and um, you know startups and entrepreneurship and my background in that space Um, and it aligned with my values around the environment the natural environment so it really was I guess when they did when I when they did actually put an offer on the table to me yeah, I jumped at it. It was it was very exciting and I found myself looping back to a previous role. Uh I guess, you know, going back into the same space that I used to work in, um but now this time setting up a spin-off business with my old bosses who are now my business partners.
1: Yeah, uh, it's I mean it's super exciting. I'd be interested to know um if you got any insights from them um at the time as what made them confident that you would be like, I mean, you were a first time managing director. um, Mm. So this, it wasn't like you were were on this career path where you'd done this multiple times or been a operating officer in businesses similar or anything, which is what as recruiters we're looking for. Like really as an external recruiter, you're looking for people who have done similar things and can do it in a different context. But this really was, a lot of your skills um, and your capabilities, but applied to a new context. It yes. Did, Unproven. It, was it, Unproven. Yeah, was, <laughs> was it the, I guess the proven part was that you had worked with them before. Um, yes. Like you'd worked, so they knew how capable you were and, and they could make that jump themselves. They weren't going untried, have never worked with this person and let's make them. The That's
0: right. Director. I think what made it easier for them was that they already knew that they could trust me, um, they knew how I operated, they knew what my strengths are um, and they could envisage, you know, me being able to step into this this role because, I mean, previously when I was working with them, in fact, when I first started working with them, I started um, as a part-time bookkeeper slash office manager oh, for yeah. their their um, their business at the time and eventually over time evolved my role and I guess I played a really key role in evolving my role you know every time I was like okay I'm ready for something different what how can I find you know a new place in this in this business Um, and eventually was the um I think my title was something like business operations manager and I was really integral to Bringing the team together around strategy development and you know, all things, I guess, non science and yeah. tech. Um, so they knew that I had that experience, they knew how I would collaborate with them. Um, but of course, it's been a really great learning opportunity for me and exciting to have a crack at working with them in that leadership to start something new.
1: Yeah, I um, mean, it was. I, I had a conversation, um, there's an episode. Um, on this, that'll be up at the time of the release of this podcast, um, with Jonathan Ling. Um, and I think you might've, have, might've have worked with him in a former life at Inventium, um, or as an innovation yep. consultant, but he, he was sort of talking about something similar, which was, you know, 95% of the time he's been successful hiring people into these roles, these stretch roles, if he's worked with them in some kind of project capacity or any way before so he's got some information about what working on them would be like with would be like mm. what they, how they work under stresses and pressures and uh, you've got enough information that you can make a good decision yes. um versus the 50 50 60 40 success of uh, going and hiring somebody that you've not worked with before you are just looking at them on paper and through an interview yes. Um, which is just a, a different challenge. And I think one that you're potentially going through um, at, at the moment yourself with um, with engaging with executive recruiters and things like that.
0: Yes, yes. And, and to your point, like something that I've learned, I guess, through recruitment is, um, you know, you're trying to find the less, you're trying to reduce your risk with your hire and find that, least risky option because everything's usually a risk um and so I guess in this sense with me coming into EnviroDNA a lot of like boxes that would reduce the risk were ticked um yeah and yeah I mean the business is still running so uh yeah. that's a good thing <laughs> we've
1: grown <laughs> yeah uh that's um uh, and I mean just on that because yeah, the business is running it, it's growing I always see the the posts and everything on on LinkedIn as well. It's a great business to follow if you haven't already look it up um, and I'm sure you'll enjoy following it um, but uh, you have have recently gone through the process of engaging with an executive search firm and I don't think you're in the in the thick of it yet with interviewing candidates and stuff but you have been doing this across the, the journey of um, of working at EnviroDNA. How, how have you found the experience and, and sort of how do you go about engaging um, a supplier? I guess as a, as a person that works in this sort of space, I'm always interested in that. But I also think for people who are growing their own businesses, um, knowing the types of things to look for is really valuable.
0: Yeah, we decided um, for this, yeah, we, we basically have got to a point with the business where we need some more leadership capacity and capabilities, some new some new capabilities um, to take to really, you know, scale the business from here. Uh, and, you know, we felt, I guess, out of our depth with, with doing that and that's why we looked out, um, you know, externally to uh, executive search firms, I believe is the, is 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 that how yeah, you like to be referred to <laughs> Rather well, than recruitment yeah, firms
1: yeah so it's sort like uh, I'll cover that off really really quickly um most uh smaller businesses like Rosewood partners would say that they do both um more agency style of recruitment which is all levels of an organization as well as executive search and then there would be people who are just executive search firms and people who are just recruitment agencies and So while recruitment agencies will say we will hire executives, typically executive search firms will provide a lot more detail around the candidates. They'll provide reports and stuff like that throughout rather than, you know, doing it more of like a, um, the work is still being done, um, but the report instead of the formal report being handed over, um, you're not getting all of that additional services um, as part of an executive search firm. So, Yes, in this case, you guys have engaged with an executive search firm, yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, cool. So I went about it uh, quite rigorously, and um what you know, something that I guess I've learned about my business partners um, and and how we do things, probably being scientists is they're very thorough. Um, and I think you know that's rubbed off in a lot of our decision making with various things. so we we are we're taking it very seriously, um, looking for an executive leader in our business. Um, so I went about getting recommendations from people who have used executive search firms. I think getting recommendations, I mean, anyone knows how valuable that is, um, for anything from where you're going to have dinner that night to going to a doctor or whatever. So then I lined up, um, uh, chats with basically interviews in a sense. So I had interviews with A handful of different executive search firms and I actually had a list of questions that I was asking each of them um, to learn about how you know they go about what they do and to try and understand what each of their kind of unique selling points would be and just get a feel like is there a good match here and of course you find out a little bit more about the process of executive search what we could expect and the price and, you know, a lot of them are similar. You know, there's certain, certain processes that they follow and um, but then they all have their own little sort of oh, strengths, I guess, um, yeah. or things that made us feel like this one feels like a better fit for us. And I think we then got to the point of actually, um, you know, the proposals come through and then we actually physically met with a couple of search firms um, to have that face-to-face opportunity because I think like anything you really – even though something looks great on paper, um, you want to feel like you're going to have a good working relationship with the person. So um, that was a really important part of selecting an executive search firm. Um, the other important element which became clear with the, the firm that we chose um, is that they've got a lot of experience working with founder-led businesses and scale-up yeah. startup type business, businesses because hiring an executive leader in like an established organization like Telstra is going to be very different to finding an executive leader for a business that's, you know, still trying to figure out where its market opportunities are. Um, So yeah, that's in a nutshell, the process we went through.
1: Yeah, great. And um, I guess not not lowering the importance, I think that all of the roles um, within an organization can have a, a massive impact on it, especially when you're a small organization, but just slightly lower down the org chart um you obviously been over a number of years now um developing the team and attracting great people to work at enviro dna um how have you gone about that as a a smaller or a more niche type business because it is scientific um so is there leanings into that or what what has sort of been the approach of of you as a leader to attract great people
0: Yeah, so I guess the first challenge for us growing a business has been figuring out what roles that we need to fill. Um, So that's a journey in itself. And also, in a way, it's an important part of the success. um, Because if you're hiring someone for a role, and they come and start doing that role, and then you go, Oh, hang on, actually, it's not the role that we need. Um, You know, it's not, and it's not a good match for that person anymore. So I think it's, there's a journey that we go on as a, as a growing business to just even figuring out what those roles are and spending quite a lot of time in reflecting on that. Um, what do we need that role to achieve for the business and what kind of skills do we need? And then we go about, you know, getting that role out there and, and we've typically just gone through your, um, you know, seeks of the world. Um, there are some, some I guess, industry uh, job um, platforms like in the environmental sector that we've used in the past, um, and yeah, so I mean we've not done anything, I guess, extra innovative. We're trying to find people, or in in terms of getting out there and doing that search. Um, something though that I guess is unique to our niche is that we're basically trying to find scientists that are willing yeah. to work in a business context, and a lot of scientists are academics, and so there's usually that conversation or that trick of trying to find those that will have an interest and uh, have reason to maybe step away from academia. There's lots of downsides to academia um, that you can escape by coming into a business world. Um, so yeah, it's that's, that's the trick for us. And it's also not only finding those people who are perhaps willing to move um, from academia into business, but also have the right types of attributes to um, fit into a small growing business. Um, where there's not as much structure and process, et cetera, that you might find in academia.
1: Yeah. And that's a, I mean, these are all the things that you're always trying to balance, right? Um, You've got, is this person like, as in not only saying like, are these people willing and finding people that are willing, uh, but then it's finding people that are able and they're passionate. And there you can have people who are incredibly high on one and, average on another and having to make those trade-offs of going, are we going to hire this incredibly passionate yes. person who's not quite there and everything else or the person that yes. ticks all the boxes, but we don't have a great connection with. Um, I, I know yeah. that's something that people grapple with
0: all the time. Oh, a hundred percent. And we've definitely had those situations where we're like, Oh, we hired someone. They thought they were going to love the job, you know, and they thought they loved the idea of coming to switch in with us, but it just didn't. Didn't quite gel.
1: Yeah, and is that like uh, I? I'm always interested in understanding, um, quote unquote, bad hires, and 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 as you sort of said, a lot of this is contextual. Um, sometimes the context is just different, and hiring people without a you know someone's worked with them before or a referral uh, mm. or something like that, where you've got some level of understanding of what that person's going to be like in a job. It is still, no matter how much you try to remove error, it is still an error-prone process. Um, it's not a, it's not an airtight process. Has there been any, um, you know, like, has there been many situations where you've been sort of sure that someone was going to be a good fit, and, and that not turned out that way? And is there any sort of, you know, characteristics of either those people or those situations?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, there's certainly been situations where people haven't been a great fit, like the job for them and them for the job. Um, and interestingly, when I do think back, in fact, a couple of people that where it hasn't or jobs where it hasn't worked out with the people, we actually did know those people first um, and they've okay. come about through maybe some casual work or other other you know connections that we've had um and you know i guess one i'm thinking about they were you know we were sort of i guess and this is the thing when you're creating a new role you're still trying to figure out what you really need for that role yeah so that does make it a bit tricky too um so anyway in this instance we had set up a new role and we thought about what we needed for the role. And this person, um, we're like, Oh, you know, they could be a really good fit and we could see what their strengths were. And we had some really good sort of reference insights, um, about, you know, where they might need to grow and develop and meeting them. I mean, fantastic person, great culture fit, you know, awesome organizational skills, um, which would be really important for sort of project management stuff and great communication skills and really passionate, really wanted yep. the job, you know, and was just so excited to work with us. So you're just like, oh, you just want to say yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so we employed that person and, um, yes, they brought a lot of strength and but just it became clear once they were in the business and in the role um, that they just weren't – like just their attributes and um, and how they go about their work and and what's important to them in 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 their job just wasn't going to fit our small growing business and our innovative environment. You know, in in our environment, we need we're still developing processes, so we need people yeah. who can go. I don't know what to do. There's no process for this. Okay, let's build a process.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So some people can. Can really I guess thrive in that type of environment and some people don't thrive without process and structure and so I think that's something that I have learnt is not only do we need like glossy resumes and people excited for the job and whatever um, we need to make sure that people have that ability to be in our type of growing innovative environment Um, they need to be able to be flexible they need to be able to take initiative they need to cope with ambiguity um, and if you can't do those kinds of things, we're probably not the right fit for that person, but they still have awesome strengths and will fit elsewhere in other yeah. jobs. Um, like even, yeah. you know, sort of like bigger organizations that are more established.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. Um, and, uh, this is sort of a theme that comes up a little bit is that, um, I think especially, uh, amongst people who I would consider, you know, good reflective people, um, who can think back and go, it, like this person is great they're just not we're not the right fit for them and they're not the right fit for us uh, but nothing to do like the process was just, we, we probably if we followed the same process we'd probably maybe even land at the same result and you mm. you, you learn through the context and the situation that it's yep. just not gonna it's not gonna work um, that's
0: right and you can still learn from that, though, because for yeah. us now, it's feeding into new recruitment, new job recruitment processes we do is like focusing in on that fit for this type of stage of our business, small, innovative, low structure. Um, you need to find your way sometimes, you know, so we look for the attributes in people that will fit that, not just their yeah. eagerness and their excitement to work in this environment.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um I mean, one of the things I'm always interested in is people having been in high-performing teams and, and obviously um, I know that you've been in high-performing teams before, obviously the business that you're in and previous teams as well. Um, are, there, are there any characteristics in others, you know, working with them that you really value? Uh, and then you, does that inform what you go and look for when you go and hire other people? What, what does that sort of look like for you?
0: Yeah, it's been it's like such a cool journey, you know, over this last seven years to see it from the perspective of being a leader and doing the hires um, and seeing how people perform. Like it's a kind of a um, I guess, a, you know, when you're not a leader or a manager, you don't see what happens in the background. Like you don't know how your colleague is really performing on their work plan and what their challenges are or you know, what, what leaders need from that person maybe that they're not delivering. Um, yep. So I have found it really cool to be able to see that picture a lot more now um, and I've learned a lot from that and I think something, yeah, it's become a lot clearer to me as to what is it that makes a high performer um, and it you can really feel it. Like when you hire someone and they're kicking goals, you feel it and you see it and you're like, I, they are awesome. <laughs> how do we keep them around forever? <laughs> um, and they I think like if I'm thinking of a fairly recent hire that we've made um, you know she's incredibly um, organized like it's it's typically around how they work you know yeah. it's it's the skills as they bring to how they do their work not just kind of like what they achieve, but it's how they do their work that helps them achieve the things that you want to see. And also it's how they do their work that contributes to the culture and helps to lead by example and things like that. So she's, you know, super organised and, you know, plans her time really well, um, which means that she can get a lot done. Um, yeah. You know, she's just jumps at new opportunities. She runs with things. So something I felt is like, you know, people who have that kind of A-player vibe, it's almost as if it's their business. You know, they yeah. run with things. Like they, they really love what they're doing truly, and they are really committed to getting to that goal if they're trying if we're trying to move into a new industry. like they're the ones out there thinking like it's if they it's their business, okay Where are the trade shows and the conferences and I'm going to reach out to this network that I've made at a previous job and talk to them about this new technology I'm now working with in my new job. you know they just think at that level um, yeah. and act in that level and yeah. they obviously have a great work ethic. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And finally, I think, you know, if I'm just thinking of all the things about this person, um, they have also often, I think, a growth mindset, you know. Yeah. They're very willing to reflect and think about what they do really well but equally where their weaknesses are and they don't get hung up about that. It's more like, okay, cool, how can I improve um, and and how do I get better? Um and so, yeah, there's a lot of positives that come with a growth mindset in general, I think, uh, that I really yeah. value.
1: Yeah, I I, I think uh, that's a common one, that growth mindset that that definitely comes up is that it's a trait of a lot of businesses are looking for. They would all love people with the growth mindset. It's one of those things that almost can't be taken in a negative context. Mm. Um, and uh, I've heard other people like, uh, again, referring to the Jonathan conversation, um, refer to it as being dissatisfied. Um, like people that, you know, they're not, they're not, they're always, you know, they're always looking to ho- work out how they can get to that next place and, and work out mm. how they can get better. Um, they, mm, it's mm, good mm. that there's like a gap between where I am right now and where I want to be. Um, mm. that, that gap is important yes. before then I thought you were just referring to, um, to potential netballers, um, you used to play netball, but you said jump at things, run with things, getting to, <laughs> Are you getting, getting to a goal. Um, oh, that so... is
0: hilarious! Well, it probably comes from that um, sporting yeah. <laughs> background, right? And well, interestingly, yeah. to that point, John, um, I have found that you know people that have played, um, especially high-level sport, actually bring a whole lot of attributes into their. Well, they can. I mean, I, I mean, from what I've seen from my experience, the attributes that they learn and develop in their sporting teams or as individual sports people, that demonstrates a lot of things as to how they're going to operate in a business context.
1: Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, it's a... Um it's a little re- recruiting hack and you don't want to have too many biases where you go, True, this, person, yeah, yeah. this person's played elite sport. Therefore they They're are awesome. all of these things. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to, you want to vet all of those things, but it is a little yeah. shortcut to go to achieve that. You would have had yes. to have a lot of these like working through hard times discipline, and discipline, yep. all Setbacks, of those things. Yep. Yeah. So there were, there is definitely a lot about that. Um, and and as i said as long as i mean most people um when you reach a high level are going into most of these sort of hiring situations checking bias anyway Uh, but making Mm. sure that you are if you're checking your bias and going i know that i think that sports people are like this yeah that's what that's what you're going into the interview to check um you're not going in going i don't have to check any of that i can assume this person's got it and none of these other people who have not been in sports then they're no good um it's Mm. no it's it's this is just a piece of information, and I'm going to use it in that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bias is so interesting. And I'm like starting to learn my own biases as well. Um, where oh, yeah. you know, you make well, I still want a lot to learn, but where I get excited about someone. Um, and then maybe it turns like as things go, you're like, yeah, they're good, but they weren't what exactly I thought they were going to be, you know, and that yeah. must be my own biases coming in.
1: It may, maybe, um, there was a, like a conversation I had with uh, Lou Adler. Um, I I mean, I've only had a few of these podcasts released um, at the stage of this one coming out, but Lou Adler is someone whose books I've read and um, he's been on the podcast. And he just sort of says that one of the ways around that situation is that when you feel yourself becoming biased because of a a personal connection or like a similar personality type or anything like that, is that you almost have to actively take the opposite opinion for the rest of the interview um yeah, like right. a go. okay then what if this person what if i was wrong and what if this person was bad at all of those things what things would i ask then um and it's really d- difficult because it feels uncomfortable you would prefer to be in that mm, i don't know chummy that yeah, chummy yeah. sort of vibe yeah. feeling yes. that you get with someone <laughs> that you really relate to yeah um but I, I know that I run into that problem um, when I interview people who are similar in a lot of ways to what I think think that I am. Um, yeah. And I push those people so much harder, I yeah, have yeah. to, because I know that I'm going, I need to actually understand whether I just, you know, can resonate with this person or yeah. whether this person has value to add.
0: Yeah, 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 I hear you. That is really good, good advice, I love that.
1: Um, Uh, One of the things I find interesting is translatable um, traits and characteristics amongst people because we've sort of talked about how um, you've been in high-performing teams and then becoming a CEO or a a managing director and leading teams and hiring people has sort of changed the way that you approach things. But has there been any core traits that you think, well, it might be growth mindset, but things like that where you go, any environment, uh, any business context, this is something that I, I want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. Interesting. I think it, it sounds super cliched, um, but yeah, initiative. I mean, I'm sure nearly every second person must say that, <laughs> but it's so true. Um, I mean, it can't, it's not just initiative where you go, you, yeah, yeah. I'll have a go at that. I'll have a go at that. But it's the ability to back up that initiative and, you know, it has to come with other things, but at the very least, you want someone who is going to um, be, yeah, interested and able enough to have a go at things and put their hand up first and run with things.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, I I always find this sort of trade-off hard, um, and I don't know if it's one that you can actually make as a clear distinction, um, but that, like, initiative um, can be more of, like, an individualistic thing. Um, so what Will what can I and what will I do uh, rather than how will I fit within a team? Like, you obviously everybody wants people that are going to be great with the existing team as well and push them to be better versions of themselves, all of that. Um, but the initiative one is an interesting one because it is much more isolated. Um, you wouldn't Mm. say that some you wouldn't necessarily say that someone has initiative just because they gel well with everybody. Yeah. Um. You need you need that person to go and do things indivi- yeah, yeah, yeah. individually. They do. Take, They're proactive. They, they do. That's the big thing is they yeah. take control and they go. I'm going to do this thing. Um. Or basically deliver this like, thing.
0: You could say doer. They're a doer. Yeah. You know, they get shit done. Basically. Yeah.
1: Get shit done. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's what but you need.
1: You do. Um. Because, and that isn't to say that those people don't get shit done within a team context is in knowing who to go and find and speak to yes. and, and rally around and get well, everyone. That's getting
0: drew. shit done too. That's getting shit done. people together and figuring out how to do stuff and enabling others to do it too.
1: But it's an active thing. It's a, it's something that you do rather than something that you almost like wait to happen around you. Um, it's a very, yeah, that's a, that's a really active one. That's good.
0: Mm, yeah. I like yeah, an I H. Think, yeah. I think we boiled that down. Get shit done. I like that.
1: Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I I have I have one question um which I I haven't asked yet and I don't know, you know like the flow of the of the conversation it's sort of a little bit left of center here um yeah. but I'm really interested in it because I saw a I saw a post recently from somebody saying you know long hiring processes um you know, turn off good candidates and I hired somebody by just having a coffee with them and it you know, it works well when you get to know someone on that level. And and um, if you're putting someone, I heard of someone that went through three interview processes and that's just too much for busy people, which I do tend to agree. Um, it, it puts mm. a bit of a burden on the candidate, but I know that there are some really long processes that have great results as well. And I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are because you've been through a number of different recruitment processes now in your life, both as a hirer And as someone being hired, has there been any processes where you've gone, this is too much or this is just right, or you've, you've been in a process and you've gone, I'm going to do that when I start hiring people. Has there been anything like that?
0: Um, yeah, it's, oh, we've definitely thought about this too. And we've had issues where processes have taken too long, um, whether there's too many steps involved or it just took too long to make decisions and to progress a process at hand where then you miss out on a candidate um yep. and i've seen that you know happen in past roles um and you know and i guess coming into managing director at EnviroDNA, i did get a lot of inspiration about different ways to think about recruitment from my previous role at inventium um an innovation consultancy and there was a lot i could take from that process and that i've been able to implement and shape over time that makes sense for us Um, But that was a very, very um, lots of steps in that in that process. Um, Even like when I was first hired into Inventium, I went through a lot of different stages um, and they were very engaging stages. So they took up a lot of time, you know, going in to do certain activities and whatnot. Um, And I guess what I value about any process, but it tends to kind of need a little bit of time and some stages to I guess, lead to this is that real sense that you have a great fit. You feel like you've really got to know the candidate and the candidates really got to know you. And at the end of all of it, you're really both excited, you know, that's the pinnacle outcome. Um, And I do think you need to have, I generally speaking, I feel like you need a lot of, or you need, I guess, enough rigor in your process to achieve that. Whether that maybe there's fewer steps, but they're more rigorous um, versus a long, lots of steps drawn out. I don't have the answer, but it's definitely, ultimately, I just want to get to a point where we feel really, you know, excited about the candidate and they are as well. Um, And I think getting to know them is important.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the they are as well part is what is often left off when people are thinking short process is Mm. that. If you have a one hour interview with somebody and you're ready to make a decision, fifty minutes of that you may have been assessing that them totally. and you've given yes. them ten minutes to ask questions about you or yep. however it's however you manage enough. an interview, but it doesn't feel enough. Um like following that up with a a second interview which can either be come into the space spend like an hour together um or Mm. grab a coffee together do something where we're actually spending time together and see if we resonate together and if this is really what you want Mm. um super important and Mm. i think the other thing that you sort of touched on was um whether it was a process problem um uh, in the length or mm. whether it was a decision-making problem, um, yes. yep. which I, I find it is usually the decision-making problem. Yes, if you've got, it just takes if too you've much got a, time. It takes too much time. If you've you're got trying, a rigorous yeah. process and you talk to somebody about, here's what the process looks like. We know it's detailed, but we want you to feel really, really confident that you're the right business for us. And they say, that's fine, um, but I've got another job that I'm interviewing for and I'm already at second interview. That's going to wrap up within a week then Mm. the business can sort of compromise or adjust the process to sort of fit the candidate and that they'll still feel well supported. They'll still, you'll still cover off as many steps as you can. Where the problems get a lie is when you don't set out what the process is going to be. So then Mm. it feels long or when in between each stage you don't hear from them for a week, two weeks, we're still working out how this lies. Then people disengage because they don't feel like you're treating their time with respect.
0: Totally. Yep, that's right. So I think moving through a process as quickly as possible is, is so important. And that can be really hard when you're working maybe with a team of others to go through that recruitment process, um, you know, working with others to do short lists. It's hard because you're trying to juggle that with other things that are going on, you know, in the business as well, like your day, normal day job that people have. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a tricky one, John. And I think I guess getting crafty with um, the stages of the recruitment process can probably help as well when you sort of think, what is it that we really need to know and how can we fast track that and how can we like get some real rigor in some of these steps to just make, maximize that one hour that we have with that person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think thinking about those stages is important and what you do in them.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, and awesome to hear that you've thought so much about this type of stuff, because um, a lot of people don't. We've uh, you know, heard examples of someone going into a 30-minute interview and the manager coming out going, we're ready to hire this person, make them an offer, and that being an offensive thing to a candidate because they haven't got to know them and oh, wow. didn't, yeah. didn't feel the same position. So they've like withdrawn, not even wanted to continue. It's mm. like there's clearly a misalignment here. So thinking about it, yeah, how, how do you actually go about spending the time on this type of stuff. I mean, one of the reasons I started the podcast was that I know that so many people say hiring great people or hiring people is the most important part of a leader's job Um, and then growing and managing that team, obviously. But the few times that you get to hire different people into the organization, um, especially Mm. when you're small, but really at any time where you're managing a team, those are the times where you really get to shape what the yes. long term looks like a wrong yeah. hire can set you back a year yep. whereas the right person can push you further forward than you ever thought yeah how, how do you go about juggling your time because i know for a lot of people hiring feels like a extra like as yeah. in it's i've got all these day job responsibilities i can't focus on that um yeah, 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 how yeah. do you, how have you gone about managing that gap
0: yeah i mean i guess i do see it and have seen it as part of my role Um, So you do ideally have to have someone that sees that as a priority in their role. I mean, at the end of the day, like people are what make the business happen and what actually make the business succeed. So there should be like, yeah, you can have, um, you know, I guess, like focus on your business strategy and and the like the other resources that you need and making sure you've got the space for your people and um, and whatnot. But like it's the people that are going to do the work. So. You've got to be prioritizing um, getting in those great fits uh, and people that can help to take the business forward. So I suppose it's just a case of prioritization and seeing, you know, looking at your, what is your perspective on people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost like when opportunities like this come around because sometimes it is opportunistic as in somebody's left. Um, you didn't plan for that person to leave, so you can't budget your mental time to say this person's yeah, going to yeah, yeah. quit in June. Oh, yes, but once, yes, yes. But once that's happened, it is reprioritizing everything to go, okay, then yeah, you this kind is of the new have focus. To. Yeah. yeah,
0: but that's right. Sometimes it happens at really inconvenient times where you weren't planning to create a new role yeah. and fill a position, of course. Um, and then you feel quite – it can be quite overwhelming, especially if you might have two people go at a similar time and then you're just like, oh, my goodness, how do we juggle this um it does put a load on uh so i guess you know getting other people involved in the process can be helpful too um so that others can learn about the hiring in in your business and i found that useful to have other people you know hear from me like what's important when it comes to hiring people and i want to empower our leaders to you know hire and, yeah. you know, have some guidance around the things, that the learnings we've had going on this journey at EnviroDNA with hiring people and the things that are important that we want to see in any candidate that joins EnviroDNA. Yeah. Um, and I think also, like, going back to that idea of process and how long do you spend, I think also it can depend on the situation because sometimes you're going to have you know, a new role that's set up and you've got the lead time and, you know, we can go through this great due diligence process with finding people. And then other times we might have a role that it's a very um, clear cut role, might be a very routine type role that we've got that we're just filling. And we might be quite clear because we've had a lot of different people cycle through that role before exactly what we need. And so it can be a lot easier, I guess, to go through a recruitment process. And we probably can do that a lot quicker. Just because of yeah. our our experience with that position.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm always interested to know this uh, the answer to this one. Um, What's one lesson that your career has taught you uh, that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? And I know that, look, you're also not the kind of person that would be like, I want to give out life advice. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting there. But that is I, such I am a always, massive question. Yeah. I I, I mean, it, it can just be, it, even if you treat it in the context of in their career, um, I, I like trying to give people things that they can... You know, learn here uh, and apply immediately so this is one of those
0: oh okay well hopefully there's some things i've just said along the way that people can take bits from um yeah for them what uh whatever might resonate for them uh, but yeah i mean some big things maybe ticket items for me personally um yeah is oh god I mean, it's so cliched again isn't it like you know, like making sure that you've got time for your life outside of work, that type of stuff. And I guess that that has become abundantly important for me now that I've got two kids who are young, like two kids under three and a half. Um, And that's totally changed my world. And I can no longer just, you know, work massive hours to get work done. Um, It forces me to create boundaries. i certainly can't work on X day or at X time because I literally have two kids and I cannot work. Whereas before kid time, you know, you can sort of like go, Oh, well I'll just, I'll work a bit later on that tonight or I'll, you know, do this and that. And you can kind of stretch your work over more time and, you know, um, so it really does force you to set boundaries. And I sort of think, well, maybe people who don't have kids can still try and think about how they set their own boundaries um, and protect those boundaries um, despite not having kids that force you to do that.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I've, I, I've seen situations um, personally and, and in, in work contexts as well um, from meeting people that have done that and have found that to be a really important driver of high performance um, as in yes. setting clear boundaries to force the efficiency, like as in yeah. I know that I know that I work these hours and outside of that, I'm not, going to be doing i'm not going to be on my laptop late i'm not going to pick it up on the weekend and do four hours yeah i'm not going to send off all of those emails if it if it doesn't reach priority enough for me to get it done in my day Mm. then it's not priority it's not a high enough priority i'll find time to do the things that matter within that time frame and i have to be strict and rigid about that
0: yeah totally so i think look i don't know if that's a big life lesson but Um, I mean, something that's kind of relates to what we've talked about, you know, really around the concept of recruitment um, that has been a real learning for me um, is, and it's kind of to the point you would like, it's in the topic of this high performance team concept. And I think I always was like, when I had an experience being in a particularly high performance team and wow, it was amazing. Like, you know, we got so much stuff done, but we all worked bloody hard and everyone was amazing and, you know, you get motivated by that and you can see what can be achieved. Um, but what I've learned is that it's actually not ideal to have all A players necessarily in a business. Like you yeah. need to have a balance. Um, and I can't remember where this analogy came from and I'm probably getting the analogy wrong, but it was this idea of you need to have like, The cheaters in your business, who are the A players, the people who are striving forward, who are pushing from the lead um, and running with things. They're your cheaters um, and your A players. And then you need people who are more like, um, you know, you sort of, I don't like to say B players, but you know, people that aren't the cheaters, um maybe yeah, they're more yeah. like the, the, caval, the cavalry the cavalry, the horses yeah. that are kind of like really churning through a lot of the work and they're reliable and you know that they're gonna like implement that process that needs to be implemented properly. And, you know, they're not always looking up and outside of the business. They're actually there to make sure that you do the work that you need to do within the business. So I think that that's been a really important learning for me with hiring because I always initially, especially with EnviroDNA, I was looking for all the A player type of um, attributes that I was like biased you know, yeah,
1: and potentially if we can um, to to save you not being able to say B player, um, reframe the reframe the word A player as as you said those like strivers and stretchers. They're the people yeah. that want to be launching forward. Um, yes. you you still need absolutely. You can have star players that aren't that. Um, that are stars in other areas, yes. but, but balancing it to go, That's nice. we've got, we've got people that are, um, the stretches. Uh, yeah, but my, my, um, uh, my old boss would have called it creator innovator. Um, like as in there wanting to create, do new things, stretch, go forward. There are people that want to plan and put process and structure around things. There are people who are highly people driven. And are incredibly empathetic and caring, and building a team with all of those parts is a high performers in all of those areas by all stretches of the means. But as you said, not everyone is trying to be the CEO leader. They're yeah. all everyone everyone's playing their role really effectively within that team structure.
0: Yeah, that's right. Not yeah, that's I think that's yeah a really good way to summarize it. Um, and I think you know sometimes there can be downsides with those really high stretching people, like not, I mean, it's not a downside, but it's, it's just, you know, you need to always other be side providing. of the coin. Yeah. The other yeah. side of the coin is you need to be providing opportunities for them. There's a lot more that they're demanding um, to provide. Yeah. I guess that stimulation and whatever. So it's great to have people who aren't necessarily driven to kind of strive for higher and higher, but are really happy with other things that allowed them yeah. to like get satisfaction in their role and they are reliable in those types of roles um, that could be really process driven, for example.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I yeah. love that. Um, and look, we may have even already answered this with the, the answer to the last question, but like yeah. a tangible takeaway, um, something that people can take away today and do today to get better outcomes
0: mm. in hiring. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, something that is quite tangible that I've that I just really value in the hiring process is doing skills-based testing. So if, you know, that whole idea of trying to de-risk the recruitment process um, and the whole fact that we don't know people, you know, we're going off their glossy resumes and maybe what some other people have said about them and in like some, a few interviews and whatnot. Um, so if that idea of maximising the time that you're going to have with a candidate, how do you get the most out of that time you'll have with them? I think it's really valuable to go, what is something we can get them to do that is actually similar to what they'll do in the job yep. and let's see how they go. Let's see how they think, how do they respond to that? And even just how they, I mean, I've found I've learned from, from can just about candidates just by seeing how they respond to me, introducing them to whatever activity I'm getting them to do, how they go about it. Um, you know, are they, like you know are they excited about doing this test or aren't they is it freaking them out like and it yeah. doesn't you don't have to call it test actually sometimes it's nice to just say this is an activity we're going to go through whether it's a case study or you're asking them to do a presentation they need to prepare for or whether yeah. it's asking them like perhaps it's an admin-based role so you're getting them to review a document and you're asking them to pick up on any mistakes um, and so yeah. you're looking for their attention to detail or you're looking getting them to look at a series of dummy emails and asking them to prioritize those emails. And, and then they come back to you at the end of the activity and explain to you why. So you get a feeling for how do they think, what matters yep. to them and how do they go about their job potentially? So i found I'd say skills-based testing is a really tangible thing that people, that I've found a lot of value in.
1: It's awesome. Um, and I mean, I've had that experience as well um, uh, with, with, as you sort of said, just making sure that however much time you have in an interview process, you have some level of ability to check over whether the person could do the job. Um, not yes. whether like, as yeah. in having done it before is a thing, um, but yeah. you, you, you've you got way more context about your situation and environment and the things that they'll be doing in this role. Um, mm. So it is, it is a really good use of time. And um, I mean, like this has been for me, this has been a really good use of my time speaking to you, UH. um, I I love every time that we get to chat together. So thank you for, um, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today and with the audience. And yeah, I, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks, John. That was really fun. Yeah. I hope it's been, I hope people have been able to take one little thing that's useful for them.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, This and every episode is going to be brought to you by Rosewood Partners, which is the a recruitment agency that i founded based on the idea that recruitment agencies and recruitment in general should be done differently if you'd like to learn any more about rosewood partners you can find us at rosewoodpartners.co i'll include in the show notes a link to my email address the website and my linkedin page if you'd like to connect with me have a great day and thanks again for listening